Hello and welcome to what we call Porridge Club. This is where we discuss the events of the show thus far, the characters, plot, and uh, just how cool we are, especially Aaron with his mad shades. Hell wearing. yeah. Yeah, he, lo- <laughs> he looks like he's just like the coolest guy in the room. He's definitely the most interesting guy in the room. This mood lighting? Hell yeah. 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 We have mood lighting and I'm wearing sunglasses because I got a massive migraine. What's up, listeners? Great to be here. <laughs> That's the energy of Porridge Club. <laughs> well, um, if you're listening, you obviously want to know a little bit more about what goes on with the uh, behind the scenes aspects or even just get a little bit more information about the story itself. So that's what this is. This is just a way for us to deep dive into plot lines, into characters, into ideas about the show. So if you have anything you want to uncover or for us to, you know, pull a little bit at the thread of, send us that concept, question, or whatever it is, and we will unravel it for you. So to start off, I have our move to Pathfinder so we can discuss either individually or collectively, how we've adjusted to Pathfinder, why we decided to make the change. Um, Though I think we posted about it enough on social media, so most of the people probably understand why. Um, But yeah, we can discuss our move to Pathfinder and how we've adjusted and what that has had uh, impact on for our gameplay. So anybody want to take it away right off the bat? How has Pathfinder, you know, changed the way you play the game? So, first off, pro of Pathfinder, there's so much flavor in almost everything you can do. Like, going through a character creation process is just a deep dive. Like, pretty much you think about it, they kind of have a way to do it. And I love that, because I always felt like it was kind of semi-restricting, or when you picked a class in D&D, you were kind of like, well, this is your, like, your slot you you fit this role and you do these things whereas like pathfinder it's like you can do some kind of crazy crap with some of these people indeed uh i like that we crit all the time that's dope that's dope as hell kind of jarring to get used to initially because crits were such a very rare thing in D. it's like almost like they didn't want you to have fun Whereas, like, this is, like, fun all the time or dramatic or, like, worrying all the time because you get crit and you're like, oh, shit, oh, God. Yeah. So I like that. It's pretty good. Uh, Cons, because it's so, like, freed, freed for you to do whatever you want, it's extremely complicated sometimes. Yeah. Like, you'll be reading an ability. I mean, people watch the episodes. They've probably heard the moments where it's like, you say an ability, it just says a word, and everyone just looks around the table like, "What does that mean?" And we're all like just frantically trying to search for it. Be like, "What?" There's so many conditions, and then those conditions are just slightly different from each other. And it's like, "Oh my god!" Like getting to the point where you knew all that just off like the top of your head, insane to mm-hmm. me. I'm I'm happy that there's so many things, but. As a new player, it is woo, a little jarring, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, the fact that there's so many different kinds of actions. Like, oh, if you're man. playing, like, D&D, and you're like, oh, I'm an intimidating guy. I want to scare this little puny dude. I want to scare him out of his little, tiny little boots. I don't want him to run away from me. 
like what do you roll an intimidate is that an action is that a bonus action what's going on in this you know you have demoralized action where you actively try to scare somebody and it has rules for that and there's rules for like literally everything you could possibly do uh good luck you know remembering any of those at any time <laughs> or that any of them are an option but they're there and they're like hard-coded in so there's not like is it a bonus action to pick up a small pebble off the ground? I don't know. This piece of paper I have in front of me lists the most common and most used uh, actions in combat in Pathfinder, and there are 25 on this list. I imagine that means there are more that are not used very often. I that That's baffling to me. 25 options versus three, technically, four in... Uh, D&D. &D. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I found the coolest is that this, like, this system kind of makes it a little easier to figure out how to layer cool things. Mm -hmm. Like, with D&D, &D, it's, it, it's cool, it's easy to make, like, it, it's not easy, it's intense to try and make a build where you will know that you can layer things, and with this, it, it really helps you, like, build uh, um, that much easier, I guess. Like, it's really easy to layer abilities that add on to it, and it'll tell you, like, what ability that will connect to as well, at yeah. least in what I have been seeing. Yeah, I I feel like I, as a GM, have been able to just kind of toss caution to the wind and just be like, oh yeah, this, this makes sense for you to do as two actions or whatever, whereas I feel like D&D, &D, the rules were more hard and set in you know if you want to do this thing you have to do this as an action or a reaction or whatever whereas this you have a few different things you can do think you can mix it up a little bit there you go you did it yeah <clears throat> it it feels like pathfinder is very open to either style of play whether you want to be more free-flowing like this is just me trying to tell a story i don't really want to play by the rule book very loosely and then on the other hand, again, like uh, Aaron said, they have text for everything. Like oh, yeah. Everything is ruled out to where it's like if you wanted to play by the book, you could do that. And they have a rule for like everything. I swear it is insane, which is, you know, good because, you know, you have that mixture of players who like more rule focused and the players who want to just kind of have more of a rule of cool, have fun with it just using it as like a baseline of knowing what an action would be kind of a thing. Yeah, and I think we're all, most of us, I think, actually, I think all of us are pretty rule of cool basis mm -hmm. players. Um, and I may not be like fully 100% on each of us, but I think for the most part, we're all rule of cool. And I think that this game really plays into that a little a little bit more than D&D &D did. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that was a big change for me is the roles because I know when we first started playing Pathfinder and almost all of the roles are like higher than 20 I was like oh my gosh I'm doing so good and that's not not the case because numbers are different <laughs> yeah level five in this game a just average DC is, uh, uh, sorry difficulty challenge rating is 20 whereas in uh, D and D. I'm pretty sure at level five that same number, or that yeah, level five that same DC should be about fourteen or fifteen, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's fourteen. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So yeah, the numbers are greatly different, 
Uh, but there's also a lot more math involved in Pathfinder than there is in D&D. D&D, they just kind of lump it all together. Big bada boom is done and over with, which I like personally, because as you guys know, I am awful at math. <laughs> We but. all have calculators, man. We're all prepared for, <laughs> for when you start doing a crit and you're just like, ah, hold on. <laughs> I do have to say, like, side note for, like, specifically Dakota, like, into the complexity of Pathfinder. You're playing an alchemist. And, like, Dakota's made an entire booklet that she keeps on her side that has all of her alchemy stuff in it. Because anyone who's played Pathfinder, if you're an alchemist, the, like, alchemy section of the book is dense yeah, and massive <laughs> and it's like referring back to it is like going and looking into a dictionary in the old days of like trying to do a research paper or something oh just ooh. yeah the core rule book for pathfinder is i want to say at least double the size of the player's handbook for pardon me the player's handbook for um D, &D. and that's just because there's just so much more available to you mm -hmm. um so, I, yeah, that, another thing I really like about it. I enjoy it a lot. I feel like it's really complex, but it's really re rewarding at the same time of once you finally get into the groove of your person, you got to you get to do a whole bunch of cool stuff. Yeah. I do like that they like what Marshall was saying with the layering that everything can connect to each other. Like if you choose a certain feat at level one, when you hit that next feat at level, what is it, like three, two? Something like that. That if, because you took that one feat at level one, you have options that you wouldn't have normally. Yeah. Yeah. It however, just kind of spirals into a, like a branch off of a different character archetype you can play. They do the same thing with skills too. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I leveled up, I put some like points into a skill and then like the feet page changed because I could get more feats because I was trained in a different skill than I was before. Yeah. Um, can I, like, I don't know if it'll mess up the flow of the podcast. Can I mention something that happened in this episode? I don't know when this will come out. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, this will come out after um, that episode, so. The thing that like really was cool is when you, like the layering of the skills and all of that is when I, like you figure out that I, when I'm, I, my character, when Achilles rages, I found that brutality skill that I only could get because I had another barbarian skill. And the brutality is the one that makes, when I'm raging, all weapons, I use the critical specialization. Yep. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a really cool skill to have. And I didn't, I wouldn't have found that unless I had picked a skill like four levels ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was really interesting to see all the paths. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. It gives a lot of the feels of like, let's say, like a Skyrim. When you're playing Skyrim, you have these different skill trees you can go down. Or even more specifically, uh, there's another game I'm thinking of. Uh, is it The Witcher? Yeah. Yeah? I think. Where you have the skill tree where you, you buy in this thing and then it unlocks like four or five different paths. I don't know. I can't remember what the game is off the top of my head. but There's quite a bit of games. Yeah. It is... It gives you many more options, and that's such a nice feature for this game, I think. Assassin's Creed Valhalla was like that, too. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was our um, addressing the uh, move to Pathfinder and how we've uh, adapted to that. Now, a lot of you probably are big fans of the Sunny Days uh, 
side campaign that we've done and those are the first five episodes that we have on our spotify list right now so if you're listening to this you um most definitely have heard sunny days before session or sorry season two of uh our gaming world came to life so marshall would you please take away a little bit of what the plan is with sunny days uh the plan with sunny days is to keep it kind of homebrew it's coming it's just i have to do some reworking um i plan to put some more children in danger it's gonna be great um we're just gonna change up a little bit of it i've been considering different systems i don't know if i wanted to stay within dnd that's where i created it but i could like try and work since i homebrew so much already it might not be that hard to just pick it up and plop it in a different system, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited. I love all of the characters. Like, you guys have such fun characters and such fun little, like, like your kids. And it's lovely to just watch how it's terrifying because you are making children decisions and you're doing it really well, guys. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's a little scary, but very, very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so our plan, and I think we discussed this a little bit, Marshall, uh, is to release those episodes and any other future side campaign episodes on Patreon. Now, you have the first five for free because, you know, that was that was fun, something for us to give you, but also a way for us to tease out what we're going to be doing with those uh, side campaigns in the future. So if you want to hear more of those, uh, unless, Marshall, you want to put them onto the the free version, I guess you'd say, of our show. Oh, I'm good with making them exclusive. Okay. Well, then you will find the future episodes of Sunny Days on our Patreon. And this episode of Porridge Club After Talk will also be free, but everything else in the future will be something you get as a Patreon reward for supporting our show. I did have a question, actually, from viewing the Patreon and all that. Sure. Are all the episodes for under the $1 tier, or... Yes. Will people... Okay. So, the... Uh, let me rephrase that. Yes and no. Um, I think Dakota and I, in our planning stages, um, we discussed maybe making it so that certain things weren't available, and I can't remember what those things are. Uh, do you... Dakota? I think we talked about, like, these kind of episodes being on the one dollar tier tier and then the tier above it which i think is like the five mm-hmm. yeah. that being where we put the other like side campaigns just because they're a little more work mm-hmm. yes so mm-hmm. just putting it on the next one above that now marshall of course you get to decide where you want your sunny days to go in the one dollar or five dollar tier that is completely up to you um but I think for the other the other side campaigns, we'll put those in the higher tier because they are a little bit more work. Um, it's just like this main campaign that we do. Um, in the future, I'd like to be able to meet more. So that's another reason why I want to make these bonus episodes uh, a paid thing. So that way we can meet more and also make it feasible for in our, in our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That way we can feel rewarded ourselves from the community that, the community that loves us. So... Um, so yeah, if you guys are interested in hearing more of these Porridge Club talks or more side campaigns, go subscribe to our Patreon and you'll be able to get more of those. It's really cool. 
speaking of really cool things, um, one of the things we decided to do a little bit of with this world that we're playing in now, in season two, is a little bit more homebrew. So for instance, there already exists in the Pathfinder core rule set, or maybe not the core rule set, but one of their books is the Strix Ancestry. And what I decided to do with that is kind of take it to another level and have an effect of magic on our world and how that's affected the ancestries of the world. So for instance, Miss Tail, uh, Joe's character in this campaign, is a Hag Raven Strix, as we call it. Totally homebrew. It's more or less like a Hag Raven in, in appearance that you would find in Skyrim. They've got kind of this more bird-like appearance. And the main reason that these differences occur is just so that way... Pardon me. Pardon me. The main reason that these differences occur is to differentiate between the types of magic that the ancestries mainly use. So, um, Joe, you came to me with this idea. I think you were the one that kind of had the brainchild for the, the Hag Raven Strix. Is that, that, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, because we were separating them from your original idea of uh, all the Strix kind of looking like different birds, like songbirds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we made those the Archon, which we haven't dealt with, but they're the ones that are up in the Flying City. Yes, Skyhaven, as it is called in yep. the world. And the Hag Ravens are the ones that were sent down from the cloud because of the appearance wasn't favorable. <clears throat> and then we recently came across one that, um, Joe, you didn't know about until I revealed them, the uh, Batwing Strix, or as we like to call them for fun, Man Bat, not Batman. And um, For fun. For fun. <laughs> we call for fun. it that. Man Bat. <clears throat> Take something creepy, make you smile about it. Yeah. yeah. Just playing around a little bit, guys. Listen, if it can kill us, we got to give it a fun name. That's yeah. true. You're right, you're right. Um, are there any other, uh, well, actually, there is one other. I don't know why I didn't think about it. This was the first homebrew thing that I actually, like, fully fleshed out myself. All because of a vague idea I heard in a, a, a novel that I was reading. And that is the Shade Stepper. Um, Johnny. Yeah. I, I think I've been the one... Or you've been the one that I've mostly discussed this creature with. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell the people a little bit about it if they don't know much about it already? Boy, how do, you, do I know a lot about it? You like to keep a lot of it under shade and stuff because it's kind of a major part of my character's backstory. He feels like he's kind of been chased by these things all the time and they're just dark, shadowy things that keep blipping kind of in and out of existence to where it's unsure whether they're like stuck between dimensions or what the hell is going on with them and they're terrifying every time they show up it's usually my religious order would send people to kill them and the only way that they would take care of it quote unquote is by basically feeding it someone as far as i could tell so they're not it's not like something you just kind of go out and go like we'll deal with it. It's more of a, all right, who are we going to sacrifice to this thing to make it go the hell away? 
So yeah, they're just that's kind of the boogeyman, a boogeyman of the world. I yeah. don't like them. They, it's a great horror concept, but oh my lord. <laughs> One of the things I really wanted to do with this campaign was create for the world something that spoke of richness and culture and legends and lore. So you know, in in our world, we have, like you said, boogeyman or. Uh, what is that? Skinwalkers, you know, th things like that. <clears throat> and I really wanted something like that for this world. And that's kind of where I pulled some inspiration from for this for this creature. And it's obviously an undead type of creature. Mostly a spirit brought to life through trauma, torment, whatever it may be. But they, all the darkness they experienced in the last final moments of their life kind of enrich their post-life abilities. So they have the ability to create this deeper magical darkness around their form to kind of protect them in, in a way. They also have the ability to blink out, in and out, of dark places. Um, there's a little bit more on that, but I can't say too much about it until these guys face it a little bit more. Um, but it was inspired by an Anglo-Saxon literature book. I want to say it was uh, Bernard Cornwall that wrote the book. But he talks about in this, uh, this battle story that there are these creatures, and I can't remember exactly what they called them in the, in the book, but they were able to appear on battlefields appear and disappear and totally wipe the battlefield. And they were terrifying things to just creatures of legend though. And I took that and expanded upon it. And I really like it for this world because our world is heavily inspired by Anglo-Saxon literature. So I kind of wanted to pull that in here a little bit. Do you guys have any other things that you might think are um, in this related topic of homebrew? I know me and you have talked a lot. We haven't been able to go into it too much, but about how we've been doing the intricacies of the firearms amongst the different races of the world and all that kind of stuff. Yes. To where we've been not like homebrewing. We might homebrew stats, I guess, at some point, but we're more homebrewing like what it is that makes each piece of weaponry that they, they craft, whether it be from a human, an elf, a dwarf, a fetchling what makes them unique and how they might operate and why somebody might want to use one over the other and kind of stuff like that. So we've talked a lot about that one in particular, I know. Yeah, so um, for instance, your character, a Fletch, uh, Fletchling, mm -hmm. which is also another, I can't say completely homebrew because it is a, a thing that exists in Pathfinder. Yeah. But for our world, its creation and its presence in the world has a totally different understanding. Right. Um, so our world doesn't have multiple various planes. It only has the one that's known and then the other that's talked about. And it's literally just called the other. Um, and it is believed that the fetchlings have somehow been touched by this other plane. Mm -hmm. And that's where they get a lot of their enhanced abilities from. So anyway, um, fetchlings when it comes to blacksmithing and creation and uh, of intricate weapons, 
you want to talk a little bit about how they came to do that? Yeah, yeah. So um, the firearm thing with Fetchlings is why they started doing firearms is not entirely clear. Pretty much while they were in the ruins, they started finding this black soot material, and they would use that as their uh, propellant for firing pellets or uh, bullets, which would eventually they would become. And it was just nice because when they were in these, they always live in dark cavernous ruins kind of areas all the time that they would shoot and it wouldn't be like this bright flashing thing. It would just kind of be like a shadowy puff that would come out with it. Um, so they designed weapons to be based off of firing this special powder material and all of their guns, if they're made by like an expert smith of fetchlings, are made to be operated and taken apart um, without being able to see anything because they're always in the dark and everything is always pitch black they need to be able to reload um fix a jam and do all that just by feel of a gun alone so um fetchling weaponry will always look basically like a puzzle box half the time and only a person who knows what they're doing with one will actually know how to put it together to make it actually work mm -hmm. so that's what uh Ike's tribe specialty was. They were master gunsmiths. It's what he was training to do. It's what he has trained his most of his young life to do. And that's how he identifies them in particular is basically, can you take it apart without looking at it? And how does it come apart? Yeah. So if you think about like the elves in our world and how they would go about creating a gun, it's a little different. They would go about using magic as opposed to like material components, mm -hmm. uh, like some sort of soot-based material. Mm -hmm. they, they would use just magic. So the, think of it like using a wand of magic missile, so, so to speak. Yeah. Um, except it's in a gun, in a gun type mechanism, pull a trigger and it releases a charge of magic energy. Um, so in different uh, construction and composition of the materials, but similar concepts mm -hmm. dwarves more material based than even the fetchlings yeah. but uh that's another story in itself um yeah, i have a broken one of those so we can deep dive into that hopefully sometime hopefully with ike kind of going into the intricacies of dwarf firearms because they're pretty cool <laughs> indeed and um and my hope is to have more uh homebrew things and with the help of you guys hopefully we can come up with a lot more neat things that make just make our world a lot more unique and uh flavorful for the way that we're playing the game you can also subscribe to patreon where you can then suggest us you know homebrewed items and uh, creatures and stuff and we might put them into an episode just saying Indeed. well if if they if they are suggested i am going to do my darndest to find a way to introduce those weapons or items and npcs into the world so if you do subscribe you know you will hear and see your your creation in our world in some way. If you create an item, Marshall wants the stupidest items ever. I want like had a vermin times a minute, like something stupid and dumb. That's what that's what I want. Hell yeah! All right, we're already making requests, so get to it, community. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your individual characters, um, so. I haven't heard much from, let's see, Azra. Let's go with you first. So Azra 
when we first did this first session for this campaign, each of you got a reading of sorts from a fortune teller. Yours, Azra, was, and I quote, the fated child. Even now as we speak, your fate is changing. What is it you run, run from? Your father's fear or your own? Do you have any insight or uh, anything you'd like to reveal to our listeners that uh, are paying to hear some of the future episodes of this what conversation? What you like to know? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you think you're just going to get my secrets because you give me money? Yeah, joke's on you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get them all. I am, in fact, a sellout. Um, <laughs> I, about the, like, destiny... Not quite sure what that means. Um, Do you have I'm any ideas? I'm assuming because, so it says like the fated child. Um, I mean, my, this may be spoilers. I don't know. My grandpa, my grandfather is the blood lord. So. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. So that's how I could probably be fated. I fated a kid. I don't know. Marshall's not okay with that reveal. Marshall's recovering. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think I did in the introduction mention how he this, ratted me out once. This world w- where their dompiers are creations of this blood lord. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. Like every dompier is like two or three generations away from yeah, the. Well, blood he's lord. like my like my actual grandpa. Oh. Like I'm like so, pretty close in line to to him. Um, I know there's like some stuff that I have to talk to you about with like my other side of my family. I was gonna say, is he your paternal or maternal grandpa? Uh, what's the dad? Dad's okay. the dad. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that's probably it because my dad's fear is my grandpa. He was very clear about that, of how much he did not like him very much. But I don't know that my grandfather, like, my dad never specifically told me who he was. And like you said, there that could be anybody. Anybody can be my grandpa. It doesn't have to be this guy. So I don't exactly know who my grandpa is. So... That's mm. going to be fun. Mm. Yeah, we do have to do a little bit of a, a deep dive at some point about your maternal side of your family. Um, mm-hmm. And I have plenty of plans for that because there's something special. There's something that makes Azra special, and I don't want to reveal any of that just yet, but there's something about Azra's... About your mama. Don't, it's about heritage. my mama. Yeah, I know. I know. We talked about it some. Okay. Your mama's a bad bitch. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Everything you got, you got it from your mama. <laughs> well, thank you, Azra. Um, let's go to, um, well, Achilles. We'll just go to, around the table at this point now. Achilles. What's up? His name's Marshall. <laughs> Achilles or Marshall. We've got some things going on. I go on. by either. <laughs> it's my surname. That's my actually. surname. Thank you very much. <laughs> We've got some things going on with Achilles and ghosts. Mm-hmm. Do you want to reveal anything about that? I mean, I could reveal some things. What do y'all want to know? Just I could take uh, my pants off right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, your boy is very haunted. Um, and a part of something that I had texted originally to Dale um, is one of the thing with 
sorry. Achilles' rage is a spirit rage. And the, the point of spirit rage is a lot of times it is possession. So we talked, I had an idea of who I really wanted to be possessing. Cause in theory it could be anybody, mm -hmm. but that didn't, that didn't like feel right. Cause like who would possess Achilles over and over and over again? Mm -hmm. I would and, do that. Oh. <laughs> you can reveal this if you like, but you do not have to. I'm going to reveal it because I've been like so excited about it. I was going to say, you better because DJ guilted me. Like, what are you going to tell us our paid people? Like, you can't hold yeah. back if someone's... Mean, I didn't mean for that to sound This is guilty. a free episode. Yeah. This is a free episode. <laughs> you slave driver. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it because I've been excited about it forever. So the idea that I kind of had was that it was somebody that cared about Achilles. And not a whole lot is like known about Achilles' past because he's, he's a... He's a kid. He ran a away after some bad shit, and he he doesn't tell anybody a lot. But um, my idea was that the possessor was his mother, hmm. trying to protect him. Protect. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. I got and you. the I the the protect part. I the reason in my brain because I was like. Um, this was just a, a fun Marshall thought I had when I was thinking about how I wanted Achilles' mom to come across. They were religious people, or at least she probably was. Like, I don't know much about, like, the area that they came from originally, but, like, in my brain, like, they were that kind of family. Um, and when his mom took over, she saw a clergyman... <laughs> A clergyman <laughs> and his friend. Glad you see me in my, my worst state. A <laughs> uh, clergyman and his nice friend. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Oh, a priest and, whoa. A lady. Uh, a, Damn. A woman. A pretty lady. <laughs> She'll protect my son. Holy wah wah. <laughs> She's like, handing him a rock. <laughs> that's super sweet that he, like, goes and helps out with the church all the time. And... Like, it could be just because, like, that's his comfort area because his mom... Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Pro that boy was probably raised in a church. He just don't remember any yeah. of it. Don't worry. I have plans for that, too. Oh, God. <laughs> He's going to make it your not safe space. He's going to be my... Well, that church is going to be a bad place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Miss Tail, we've had a lot going on with you. Yeah. Um particularly visions and fate, fate of the future. Do you have anything you would like to reveal about your visions? I don't know if there's anything that we haven't exactly delved into in the, in the series itself. Um, so I'll leave it up to you on how, how we go about this. We can even change the topic if you want, and I can edit this. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure everything that she has seen or we have even talked about has already been in the show the tower oh yeah the tower, tower. going pew, 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 and the tree being like ah. i don't know anything about the tower other than it was a tower draining life from the tree uh or shooting a beam at the tree the tower we got a crash <laughs> Stop it, sorry. do you have any um theories on what the relevance of that tower is Good thing this isn't mine. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, no one knows anything. Uh, the, it's an audio uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the 
The only thing that comes to mind would be something to do with the Archons. Okay. Since... Did we go with the backstory with Miss Tail where she found something out up there? I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. No, we didn't. Do you want to reveal anything about that? So Miss Tail, uh, the reason she lives near the tree is because she was kicked out of the Archon's uh, haven because she was snooping around and found a power source that is draining the life of the tree. And the tree brings magic to the world. And so when they when she got caught, they were like, yeah, no, you're out. Threw her down. And now she's just trying to find a way to get back at them. You say they didn't kill her? Goodness, I feel like if you know some secrets like that. Well, another thing that... I, I don't, do you want to reveal the thing about your wings? Go for it. Another thing that comes into play with that aspect is that Mistail can't fly, right? There's only one way to get to Skyhaven. To Elevator. climb. <laughs> to fly. Achilles is going to figure out how to fly, and we're going to go back at those bitches. <laughs> I think Miss Tail knows about why they can't fly, and um, I, I'm not going to reveal that, so I'll let that reveal itself naturally if you want to reveal that or whatever. Um, Ike, we already talked a little bit about your religion and stuff, but that seems to be a big part of Ike's past and history. Do you want to reveal anything about that to our listeners? Uh, what would, what, what parts, what parts, uh, what parts do people want to know? It's a, it's a religion. It's about murdering bad things. And it just turns out, surprise, uh, What's considered a bad thing to them, half the time is just innocent people uh, just minding their own damn business. <laughs> okay, so I do have a question. Yeah. You said that his family was murked by bad things. Yeah. His that's, village. That's pre-religion time. Okay, I was going to ask, was yeah, that before? So, so he found religion after he they were... He grew up in the ruins until, I think, what is this, 13? Something 13, like 14? Um, and then uh, his entire uh, rune tribe uh, got wiped out by a shade stepper. Um, they came in and they just started popping out of the darkness and basically destroying killing everybody one by one by one and he only escaped I don't know if anyone remembers in the last episode um, what's her name uh, Lacey she talked about how she escaped through crawling through a wall and stuff like that he only could get out because they were in a room and there was a crawl space to get out to the surface that only he could fit in because he was so young and little so he had to crawl out and listen as the rest of the people were basically just killed off until it was nothing so he doesn't like shade steppers and he has no family whatsoever at least that he knows of and naturally what happens when you're just walking around on the street with a gun a church accepts you <laughs> <laughs> a young man with a gun will yeah. take you in well I mean especially his church I mean they are rather militaristic in nature pretty much again supposed to be the beacons of light wiping out darkness uh again just basically ike had his eyes opened up by azra that what they considered darkness 
wasn't really darkness and they started realizing the good was actually mostly evil. And because he believes this and because he tried to put a stop to it, he was... Let's see, he was excommunicated? Yeah, he was captured, tortured, branded a heretic, and then he got broken out by Azra and a few of the people of the Night's Watch. And so he kind of owes Night's Watch a thing, but he's not really in the Night's Watch. It's a mixed relationship. But yeah. Solid. Yeah. Oh, and a fun fact. I think I already said it, though. This brand is 17. That's because that's how many lives he saved that day. He stopped the execution of 17 Dompiers. And because of that, he got branded with a 17 on his neck because that's how many acts of heresy he did. Yeah, when we did that first episode, uh, I kind of created a foil character for each of these uh, player characters. Um, so there was the dwarf gunslinger who had the seven engraved or burned whatever on his, on his neck. Mm -hmm. Very similar to... Johnny and each of you guys had a character that was very much like your own a foil a foil uh, for those that don't know is just like a literary slash writing term for a character that represents a protagonist that is kind of an opposite or a mirror of that said character similar but not the same yeah sometimes it's referred to as like a, a rival and had they survived, they most definitely would have been a rival adventuring group in the world. Um, but uh, they, they unfortunately, you know, did not survive that first. And we took their power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed you did. Oh, when are we going to level up? <laughs> oh, don't worry. That's coming. I promise. Okay. Thank gosh. I want to level up really bad. Yep. We all do. TTRPGs be like that, you know? Well, Rook, Aaron. Yeah, what's poppin'? First episode, we are met with Rook and his affiliation with the Rights of Rictum Trading Company. Do you have anything you'd like to reveal about that? I know it's a very touchy subject, and um, so much so that Rook went for a long time as the Vulture and tried to stay inconspicuous when he was dealing with his Porridge Club friends. It's like, it's not good. It's not as bad as it sounds um but it's not good he got scooped up my man's got scooped up in the big bad crime organization with a whole bunch of dwarves he got stuck going around beating people up taking the money he didn't want to do that but they they do treat him very very badly yes how did you you're a human right how did you get scooped up with just the dwarven community i get on the i get on the boat I come to this area, mm -hmm. and then I uh, am on a farm. I'm not on the farm anymore. Go up north, because where else am I going to go? Boom, dwarves. Hang out with dwarves all day. I'm just a lost young man. Now I'm a lost young criminal man. Hang out with a whole <laughs> bunch of the criminal dwarves. And now you're just a man who's in the porridge club. He's got to get out. These guys suck. Yep. You say like they don't. Like, they treat you really badly, but uh, you had, like, a mixed bag. Like, what's his name? Reaper? He was yeah. definitely, like, demeaning as hell. But, like, those guards outside, they listened to you like you were, like, a boss, dude. Because, yeah. like, you know, I'm, like, I'm the vulture, you know? But, like, literally anybody who 
has been there like one second longer than him, you know, is like, mm. you know, this little rat, this fucking human rat punk. But like outwardly, it's like this guy has to look like the toughest motherfucker in any town that he walks in. Uh-huh. But then if you know, you're like, this guy is a punching bag for literally everyone in this entire city, you know. Mm. It's just like, it's a recognizable guy. This one human nobody wants to fuck with out here at all. But then anybody who knows is like, whatever, beat the shit out of him. Fuck him. Kill him. <laughs> I have one follow-up question. Does Rook have a last name? Astakot. Okay, because every single time it's still Rook the Vulture. It's never Rook Astakot. And I'm like... Yeah, that never comes up. I mean, it's not important. Half the time we always just say our first names, but I'm like, I never... Ooh. Now, I know the inspiration behind that, but I, don't, I if you're okay with it, I'd, ra- yeah. I'd um, rather not go into that yet. I think we'd save okay. that for a bonus one-on-one episode. Okay. His last name? The Astacot? The whole name. The whole name. The whole, the whole name's name. cool. Is it because you ate a person? No. No, it's because he put his ass to that up? pot. And he's somebody well, else. I was thinking, like, the vulture, if you think of vultures that eat, like... He scavenges the leftovers. You'll never guess it. I know I didn't. Oof, it's so pretty freaking esoteric. It's He's got bird feet. Very difficult to figure out. I actually am a vulture in disguise. I wear a big funny mask. <laughs> He's two vultures stacked on top of each other the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered why you had such a long neck. It's because you're a vulture. It's because I'm a vulture and y'all just need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> No, we see you, we acknowledge you, but we choose to just let you live that way. Hell yeah. Well, before we get into my last topic of the night, do any of you have any theories about anything that has happened thus far, aside from the very last episode? Oh, dang. I'm starting to think Windspring is bad. (laughs) Damn. You think? Yeah. Okay. That's my theory. It's bad here. What other theories can we have? Uh, not gonna lie, I did have a moment because Johnny always thinks like the really. I'm in Sirsu mode, okay? Like, start thinking about things and putting together things that actually aren't really there. But I was like, man, what if uh, them motherfuckers in the uh, Night Watch and that Dutchy lady sent us here to die? <laughs> because uh, this seems hella bad Why'd and they just so hard and they it? just like over here like oh, you guys just kill a vampire uh, go to the town where there's a man bat not batman and you got this you got this and it's like we show up and we're like yeah we got this and then it's not okay it's not okay and i'm like that motherfucker knew <laughs> you're thinking it was a setup yeah but then we also have uh, what, uh, Ellis, Ellis is here, which is slightly sus. I have no idea how you met him because I haven't heard that yet. Uh, but sus. I think I think it makes sense from like the captain <laughs> guy. Like I could see that since he's a here. But it's so funny to think that the Duchess is like, um, they've prevented my assassination. Put them to death. <laughs> 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 they don't like us. Though. Honestly, I feel because she got like half the note. I wouldn't. It could be like 
somebody definitely, I mean, someone purposely ripped half of it off. And sent it and to sent her. And sent the other half to her. her. So I would love to know who, who did that part. I bet it was a man bat. You think it was a man it's bat? fucking lacy. No. God. Gosh. Damn it. I bet it was a dwarf. Lacey sucks. I'm gonna <laughs> the shit out of her next time I play. I remember, I remember I when I was now. like, oh yeah, you'll be there with Lacey. It was like, because Lacey's so helpful, and I felt slightly bad about it, but I was, I was like, It was no. so good. Oh, no. Yeah. It was so good. Though. F her, dude. She was trying to rip down my barricade. You jerk. We're fine. And then we weren't fine. To be fair, she was suffering from zombie rot. In, but that in, was after. Nah, she was suffering from the entire time. Yeah, he said oh, that the she? paranoia and the red eyes were could be explained by the zombie rot she had been suffering in secret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she yeah. got bit. She did. And but you know, no if you get bit, She had no open wounds. I will say, yeah, you're right, Joe. She had no open wounds, and you you were able to figure that out. She's a cannibal. I think oh, it was just, maybe. like, psychological. She's eating tainted meat. Maybe she just drank a bunch of water meat. from the river. The black smoke guy did make her eyes turn black. Did he just like? <laughs> Sorry, just I'm a shade stepper. Zombie right three. I'll write him out. <laughs> like God, what a fucking asshole! It's like it's like walking up to be like syphilis and just flying away. <laughs> <laughs> happened to me. I'm fucking STD ghost. What is this? <laughs> fucking weirdo. Get the hell away from me! Stop yeah, touching man. me. I remember I went into a haunted house one time. I walked out. I had pancreatitis. <laughs> Damn. I don't even know what that is. Inflammation of your pancreas. It means you have a huge wiener. <laughs> it means you have a huge, massive wiener, and you're cool as fuck. Guys, I think I'm suffering from pancreatitis. I think I'm suffering from pancreatitis. pancreatitis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm dying. Well, last topic of the night before we close off this episode of Porridge Club. Any theories or ideas about who the baddie is in the last episode so far? It's Tom. Easy. Easy. Yeah, that's Tom from it's the Tom. grave. Yeah, it was man. Tom's grave. It's the Godfather. It's the Godfather. Oh, shit. It's your it was my grandpa, bruh. Oh, the, not the Godfather. No, I, I meant her that. Fa her grandfather. That's who my right. guess. That's who my guess I, I'm open. Okay. Open to the fact that it is that. If it is that, that is ridiculously horrifying because i mean he, he was in the mirrors mm -hmm. and then dj when he like did his little voice he sounded kind of like dracula e yeah but so remember, it's some kind of remember the the blood lord, was like was the blood lord sounds like a bitch oh He's like, that's right why aren't you precious you're right you're this right. Like, good to support. see you guys. You're right. Like, he's like being sarcastic about the fact that he's creepy. I love you. I love you. I still love you. Sorry. Maybe that's because he was like full. I don't know. Because then you say like a scrawny guy was. No. How did you describe Didn't you say him? he was a weak, scrawny yeah. bitch who yeah, couldn't fight at all? That's no, he's a fatter. No, yeah, that's the Blood Lord, this guy. This guy, this is guy. a very weak vampire who has not fed in ages and is weak and yeah. very he susceptible to attack. He has humans. only 10 HP. I'm fairly yeah. sure the description I gave was regal and a se seeming self-importance. What's regal mean? Royal. They yeah. seemed royal. Uh, they they seemed of higher... Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's Class. your uncle. Tom. My uncle Tom. Yeah. 
I'm just, I can't Maybe wait for this session to start. And I just sit there and go, like, That was just a joke. It's not my dad. My dad like, don't the session like starts and I just kind of go like, Tom, we can talk about this. Tom, <laughs> Tom I just Tom, keep calling him. I'm Tom. sorry we desiccated your grave. But no one says he's actually talking to us. Maybe he's just like uh, talking to like what did he the say red again? Yeah, Maybe he's talking to somebody he's about to eat in this room full of prisoners. Was like extinguish the light immediately. And I've then been expecting like, you some crap like that. I've been expecting you. Like, bro, how do you even know I'm here? I could be a zombie. Yeah, you we're don't know totally me. invisible. I'm you a fucking zombie right now. I'm a liminal fleckling. I am born in the shade. I'm a human. Yeah, you are. I'm half half them. They don't know who I am. So we have Tom. We have potential blood lord. Again, man's supposed to be dead. If he's been like revived already and he's here, like in the second place we go to in the campaign, I'm horrified. That is extremely like ah yes the man who ruled the entire world for a little bit would this you is, like some porridge this is his area isn't it like we're in his uh, kind of we passed that bridge of like don't enter or else yeah, yeah. this is straight up like blood lord area. this is his his by last nope <laughs> last nope mm -hmm. well listeners i pose the question to you who do you think based off of who we've alluded to thus far in the in this story, who do you think this baddie might be? Um, press one for Grant, or Bloodlord, press two <laughs> for Tom. Who's that Pokemon? Do let us know, either on Facebook or through email or any of the many uh, social media options that we have available to you. Let us know what you think, and we will see you next time we talk about Porridge Club. We should actually have porridge next time. We should. We could. We could. We shall. I don't even really know what porridge is actually to this day, so I'm excited to experience that. It's kind of. It's kind of like oatmeal. Dude, it's crazy it's how kind disappointed of you. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's to be it's mush. I'm, I'm okay with mush. Well, thank you again, listeners, and until next time, this has been the Porridge Club. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.